It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now here's your host Ted Ramey. But on the wing, it's all about this, and we're going to have a scrap, and it's going to be Curtis Gabriel and Ryan Reeves. They talked in warm-up, and now they're going. Vegas number seventy-five, San Jose number twenty-nine. I shouldn't have to disagree with you. I thought that worked in our favor. Uh, um, you know, I know they scored right after, but we had a sense of uh, uh, togetherness on the bench, and uh, we never stopped attacking. It didn't matter that they got that fourth goal. We had nine minutes or whatever that was at that point that we uh, we were determined to find a way to, you know, to tie the game up and, and get a point and try and get two in overtime. That didn't happen. wasn't the result we were looking for. But uh, tonight's a team that put their heads down, worked hard, uh, battled through adversity, being down three nothing. Um, didn't change our game and just kept fighting. We found a way to get a point, and and uh, in, in the midst of all that, I thought we stuck together and we played a real hard game. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? What an entertaining game last night. Yeah, it was a crappy finish that the Sharks could not get the full two points, but they do earn a point and no one here is going to talk about moral victories. No one's going to tell you. I'm not going to say that, oh, you know, you like the effort they showed and that makes it. It's not as good as a win. It's not as good as a win. No way, shape, form, however you want to phrase it. That was very unfortunate. The Sharks couldn't get a win. That said, I like the fight. I like the pushback. I like the recovery. I like the rally. Everything, everything you want to attribute to what we saw to where they got themselves back into the game. We can equally appreciate that while equally disliking the fact that Vegas won because I don't like Vegas. And I'm imagining that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't like Vegas as well. We can go right to that first period. The hit on Logan Couture from Pacioretty. Uh, where Logan went after him and took him down in front of the bench. Uh, I don't know what the refs were watching, but it clearly was not the play that preceded that where he took out Couture. And I don't have a problem with Couture reacting there. It's exactly what Bob Bugner wanted from his players. And Cooch did the right thing. He's the captain. He needs to show the type of response all of his teammates need to have in a situation just like that. And he did it beautifully. And I don't have a problem with him going and reacting. And I will bet that Bob Bugner did not at all in the slightest either. It's what we go back to with that last game where the Sharks did not react after that exceptionally hard hit on Shimek. Bob Bugner was pissed off about that, and he was rightfully pissed off about it. And so you go back to Logan Couture reacting in that spot last night. I think that was part of the way the Sharks looked at with their mentality and the type of physical play they were going to bring all night long. It's why they were able to get themselves back into the game. They were battling, they were fighting, they were grinding. They knew it was going to be a hard game. They knew it was going to be a physical game. They knew that they were going to wake up on Sunday morning after last night's game and then tonight's game, and it was going to hurt. But the Sharks seemed ready for it 
from the minute the game got underway, and that was what was most immediately apparent to me watching the game. I was at the arena last night, and I'll be at the arena again tonight. By the way, SAP Center, still beautiful. By the way, SAP Center without fans, really, 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 really weird. And I've been in the arena just sitting there by myself recording stuff before where like the Zambonis are going on or working on the ice during the daytime. Not even nearly comparable to that because that was not a game. This was me just being there before the game. There's no one there. Whoever is there is wearing a mask and walking around and nobody really wants to get close to each other. And then when the players are there, this is when it gets even weirder because you know, I've watched these games off TV. I've, this is the first sporting event uh, I've been to that was indoors. Obviously, I was at Quakes games over the over last summer. That was different, though. It was outdoors. Indoors, every single thing that happens is reverberating. We all know hockey noises in the first place. This, I was not prepared for this, and it was great. I, I thought it was amazing. Before the game, Gabriel and Reeves were going at it. I'm just watching warmups and all of a sudden I look down and they are having a very, very animated conversation and it didn't just go away after a couple of seconds. They kept on talking. They kept on jawing. They kept on gesticulating. They kept on getting it on with some histrionics and sorts. And then they kind of skated away from each other. And then once again, as, as, as things got warmed up again, you saw them talking and jawing at each other once again. It was great. I, I was like, oh, this is this is where this game is headed. Those two are going to throw down. And sure enough, they did. But it was really, really interesting to be at that game without any fans. Again, inside an arena, the sound reverberates more. You get a different view on things. You can hear the benches celebrate. You can hear the things the guys are screaming at each other. You can hear, you know, like a, a Devin Dubnik or a Martin Jones stick tapping to signify the last 10 seconds of a power play. Just really cool details that you see but you never really get to hear it the same way the guys on the ice do because all the sound when I'm usually up above, we don't really get the chance to hear that. It gets filtered out. And I guess maybe it's some quieter moments of the games. You might be able to hear it a little bit, but this, I mean, it was like everything was put up to 11. You could hear everything that was going on out there on the ice, the guys communicating. That was something that I noticed immediately. Devin Dubnik, much more of a vocal communicator than Martin Jones. I'm not going to say one style is better than the other, but this was an instance in which I could immediately tell the difference because I was hearing Dubnik, whereas I wasn't hearing Jones. So you got to pick up on little things like that, which I thought was pretty interesting, and it was always good just to be back inside the tank. Let's let's not lie. But anyway, watching Reeves and Gabriel before the game, you knew that that was eventually going to happen, and it did. And the Sharks, despite falling down 2-0 early, despite being down 3-0, despite being down, you know, 4-2 in the third period, a lot of credit to them to fight back into this game because the Knights, listen, I don't care who's minding the net for them, they're a very, very good team. They are at the top of the West for a reason, and the Sharks went toe-to-toe with them for 60 minutes and fought their way back into a game, sent it to overtime, and earned a point. None of that will garner any complaint from me on the face of it. What I will complain about is that yet again, the Sharks found themselves in a winnable game and were just good enough to lose it. And that, that's a scary thing that's starting to happen with this Sharks team. And I hope they have the ability to fight their way out of it. It feels different than last year, but I always go back to what we saw last year and a Sharks team that was good enough to lose 
And right now, this Sharks team is doing that a little bit too often for my liking. Uh, you had a game in which they scored six goals and lost. You had a game last night in which they scored four goals and rallied from big-time deficits and sent it to overtime and lost. You've had other games this year where Devin Dubnik has only given up two goals and the Sharks found a way to lose. I mean, these are the kind of things that come back to haunt you if you miss out on the playoffs. Right now, the Sharks are eight points out of fourth place in the West, trailing Minnesota, who is 13-7-1. They have 27 points. The Sharks have eight wins, 10 losses, and three overtime losses. They have 19 points. The Sharks have not been able to win multiple games. The Sharks have had a lot of winnable games slip away from them, and there's only so often that they can do this before it finally becomes too much to overcome. Now, the Sharks still have plenty of time. They are still very much in control of their destiny, and they are going through an unbelievably difficult part of their schedule right now that, considering the way they've played, it really doesn't bother me that much. You can call me a homer. You can say I'm making excuses. The Sharks have been going up against the best teams in the NHL, and the easiest game of this homestand so far was against Minnesota, a team that had been playing way above their heads and maybe is starting to come back down to earth a little bit, but the Sharks have been playing the best of the best of the best. And even when they were on the road recently, they were playing St. Louis. But there's a couple takeaways you can have from all of this, and I don't think any of them are more right than the other, but my takeaways are the Sharks are A, able to go toe-to-toe with just about anyone, but B, not able to beat them all that often. The Sharks are getting wins here and there against these top-level opponents, but they can't do it consistently, and unless they are literally perfect like they were in that game against Colorado, it is going to result in a loss. Now, you would hope that when the Sharks have the scheduling lineups of the Kings and the Ducks and the Coyotes, that it will be a little bit more of an opportunity for them to build points and get things trending in the right direction. That is a lot harder to do when you're playing against the top three teams in your division. And you can say that I'm making excuses, but I am just calling it as I see it. The Sharks are not as good as those top three teams in this division, and they have suffered for it because of the heaviness of the schedule in this early going but also because they've had so many promising performances against these upper echelon teams, you think that there's something going on here that appears to be building towards something better uh, than we've actually seen in terms of the record. If you want to beat Colorado, Vegas, or St. Louis, you have to be nearly perfect for a team that's situated like the Sharks are right now. The Sharks aren't able to do that very often. There are those signs of growth that we keep on seeing, but that's not always going to be enough to get you a win against those top teams. The Sharks, now when we look at their schedule, need to take care of business against these high-caliber opponents, but the most important thing going forward is that when the Sharks go against the teams that are not the top three in the division, they need to win, win, and then win some more. But in looking at the remainder of the schedule for the month of March, it doesn't get really much easier for the Sharks. They finish up this homestand with St. Louis on Monday night. Then they have two in Anaheim, two in Vegas, two hosting St. Louis. Then this is where it starts to get a little bit quote-unquote easier, and I say that with all due respect, two hosting the Kings, then two Arizona, and then two hosting Minnesota. Then in April, two against the Kings, you play Anaheim, you host the Kings twice, you host the Ducks twice, 
play at Minnesota twice, play at Vegas twice, then hosting Minnesota, hosting Arizona twice, and then at Colorado. So until you get to the 22nd of March, the schedule isn't going to get too much easier, which means the Sharks have to play this hover game until they get through this heavy, hard schedule. But there is overall reason for hope, in my opinion. One of the biggest takeaways I have with what we've seen from the Sharks in the last few games is that Eric Carlson looks like a completely different player since he's been back. It turns out that if you're healthy, you're a better player. Shocker, who knew? But Eric Carlson had a fantastic game against the Knights last night, and I'm looking forward to watching him do it again tonight. Eric Carlson is making good on the player he is expected to be. Now, some of you have visions of Eric Carlson that far exceed a number on paper in terms of what his contract is, and that's that's great that you have that mental image. I don't know how you came there, but good for you. The play he made to set up Logan Couture for his goal was exactly what Eric Carlson can do so very, very well. He found the open space He found the guy that was in the right place to attack. He made the play happen. He found the guy with open ice. Very few players in the NHL can do that as well as Eric Carlson is capable of doing it. And that play, in a nutshell, was just vintage Eric Carlson. Exactly why the Sharks locked him up. He had two assists last night, plus one on the night. And on Monday night, he had a goal and was plus three on the night. So in two of the last three games, Eric Carlson has been an impactful, playmaking defenseman, which is exactly what his game has always been. Another thing I'm seeing that is giving me hope right now for the San Jose Sharks team is that Kevin LeBanc continues to come alive and be more of an impactful player and seems to be getting rewarded for the effort he is putting out there on the ice. You would hope that that same reality comes to be for Ryan Donato, because he too has been putting in some great effort, but has not been getting rewarded. And you feel, and I've been alluding to this a lot lately, that that pendulum will swing in the opposite direction. You've seen Vander Kane cool off a little bit in terms of his goal scoring. Some of the other guys have picked it up as well. But the one thing you do still see from Evander Kane is elite effort. Same thing with Logan Couture. He is putting forth elite effort. But you can't get that confused with a perfect performance. Because if that were what the Sharks were getting, they would have more wins and they would be in a better standing right now. But all I am seeing with this Sharks team is that there is continued effort in spite of the fact that they are not always playing great hockey. And the fact that they went down 2-0 and 3-0 in this game and continue to fight their way back into it, sending it to overtime, that has to be the positive takeaway I'm looking at and why I am hopeful for what will happen to this team when the schedule does calm down a little bit and they have an opportunity to make their move. And I would hope that that starts happening sooner rather than later. You can't just wait for the opponents to not be quote unquote as good on paper. You have to win the games in person. You have to beat the teams that are on the schedule. I don't care if it is Colorado, Las Vegas, or the Ducks. You always run the risk when you don't win that effort minus success equals frustration, but it feels to me like the Sharks are getting closer and closer to what they want to be and what they want to be doing. I mean, we are watching them go toe-to-toe with St. Louis, with Las Vegas, with Colorado. We've watched them play really good hockey against the best teams in the division and three of the best teams in the NHL. It's just 
not leading to success as of yet. It doesn't mean that it will. It doesn't mean that it won't. But when you have the type of emotional response and emotional effort that we're getting from the Sharks, I'm inclined to believe that this is pointed in the right direction and has the opportunity to get better. Coors Light wants to help you catch a Sharks game from the best seats in the house. Just share a photo of your Sharks at-home game setup to sjsharks.com slash home ice for a chance to win Coors Light Silver Seats tickets, Sharks gear, and more. Winners will be chosen weekly. So post a pic showing how you watch the Sharks to sjsharks.com slash home ice today. 2021 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Must be 21 or older. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Yeah, I basically just had to earn uh, his attention enough to get a fight there. So uh, I guess he didn't think I did in the first game, and I guess he deemed it that it was it was time tonight. So, you know, it's a high-tension game, but, you know, that all goes out the window when you see him go down like that and, you know, looks like a serious injury. So it's, it's tough to see. That's Curtis Gabriel bringing us back here on Morning Tide, talking about his fight with Ryan Reeves and then the injury that happened to Reeves that saw him uh, being taken off the ice, not being able to put any pressure on that right leg. The belief was that when they got tangled up, that Gabriel's skate came up and cut Reeves on the upper thigh, maybe the groin area. We're still not entirely clear what happened there, but here is more from Gabriel. I thought it was maybe our skates went together in his ankle turn, but Martinez looked at me and said, like, cut. So I, I have a feeling that when I fell down, one of my skates went up into, like, I think, like, his groin area or his hamstring or something. So there was no blood, but just the way he was handling himself, he's obviously a pretty big, tough dude. It did not look good. And props to Gabriel here for being a gentleman and leaving it on the ice. He seemed to be concerned for Reeves and the injury that he had suffered, and it's a reminder for everyone that these guys are real human beings and that when they're off the ice, their perceptions of the opposition are entirely different, and that seemed to be exactly what Gabriel was expressing. He also expressed he came to this team for exactly what we saw last night. Yeah, there's always talk about it and stuff. Uh, he wanted me to get after him, but, uh, I mean, I, I already was, you know, so... Anytime I had an opportunity to get in his ear, finish a check on somebody, it seemed like I had to, you know, do something to, to warrant that. So, yeah, we talked about all that stuff, and uh, that's why I'm here. I said it uh, when I got signed that I'm here to take the pressure off a guy like him. You know, we know Kane is really tough, but we got to keep him on the ice for scoring goals and, and, and playing that game. So that's why I'm here. And that is 100% the right move to make. You cannot have a fourth-line guy getting Kane in the box and off the ice. And it didn't happen last night. Kane played a very cool, very calm game. You could hear guys barking at each other throughout the entirety of the game, but Kane was not taking the bait. And kudos to Kane because that was something I was harping upon entering this series. Self-inflicted wounds against Vegas are not an option for the Sharks. They have got to be above the fray. They've got to be better. That doesn't mean you can't be physical. That doesn't mean you can't take some minutes in the box. That doesn't mean that you have to shy from them. What it means is you have to do it the right way at the right times with the right players. Logan Couture is the captain. He was disrespected, and he showed exactly what it means to disrespect the captain. Those are good minutes in the box. Previous games where Kane has gotten baited by Reeves, 
Those are not good minutes. But back to Reeves and whatever the injury was that he suffered, you just hope that it wasn't too serious because I like the rivalry. I think it's fun. I don't want guys getting hurt. I want guys out there going after each other and bringing us great entertainment and great hockey. Think of what has happened between the Sharks and Vegas since they entered the league. It's been unbelievable entertainment almost every single time they play, and you could feel that tension from the moment they got on the ice next to each other in yesterday's game. Reeves and Gabriel gave us an entertaining show last night, and I want more of that in the near future. Now, what did head coach Bob Bugner think about his team last night? I'm pleased with it. Obviously, you don't want to be down 2 nothing, and, and uh, um, you know, we... We didn't give them a, a heck of a lot through, you, you know, 40 minutes. I know we opened it up a little bit when it was uh, when we were down. But, uh, um, you know, if you look at five and five and chances, I, you know, they're a team that they don't need a lot of chances, as you can see. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the best team in the West. And we battled with them toe to toe. We, we, we threw our best at them. And, uh, you know, we scored four goals, uh, scored a power play goal, killed off all the penalties, won the special teams. Um, there's a lot of good there. And, and for, to me, it's, you know, the response of sticking together and getting up for the game. And, and we had good physicality, uh, um, throughout the game, finishing our hits and, um, you know, so again, yeah, I'll take the positives out of that. There's definitely always things that we can clean up and work on. And it, it was, it was a good point for us. And I think Bugner overall is playing it the right way in terms of his reactions to some of these tough losses the team has taken. There has only been a couple of times this year where Bugner has looked exceptionally hot or exceptionally exasperated after a loss. I think he knows when to save it and when to push those buttons. And I think for the most part, there's probably a logic to what he is telling himself about the team getting a good point out of last night's overtime loss to the Knights. He doesn't have to win the war today. He is trying to win individual battles. He doesn't know the individual battles that are existing until he gets into them, like being down 2-0 and 3-0, but he seems to be able to find a way to get his team to respond, and he's slowly building them into a better product. The Sharks have improved all year long, except for one key area, and that is goaltending. I don't know what the Sharks are going to do there. I don't know who's number one right now between Jones and Dubnik. I don't know how they're going to get better performances out of these guys on a consistent basis. When I watch these two guys go, I see them have very, very good performances, and I see them have absolutely terrible performances. And I really have a hard time wrapping my head around it, and I'm not sure why sometimes the two of them can be so good and why at other times they can be so simply not good. I know they're both capable of being great goalies in the NHL. It's just not happening right now for whatever reason. But you have to wonder when the Sharks are going to look to bring up reinforcements in terms of the goalie situation. Might take a chance on one of those younger guys. You don't have a lot to lose ostensibly. Then you start getting into the psychological hit and telling your teammates that you're going to be trying out American League guys. It gets a little bit tricky in a real hurry because it's not just about trying out a different goalie. It's about the subtext of what that might mean to the rest of the players in the direction of the season, trying to build up young talent as opposed to making it to the playoffs. It is a risky game. It is a risky business to go about making changes like that. So while the Sharks aren't comfortable going with that move now, you just have to figure out how to get high-end performances 
out of your guys and figuring out that balance and figuring out what's going on. Bugner. Well, I think it's important. I think that, uh, um, you know, they've, they've both had their uh, share of moments where they've, they've been real good and, and uh, you know, and then there's other times when not so good, but uh, uh, you know, we got to concentrate on playing good defense in front of them and limiting chances, you know, the, the, the first, the first goal anyways, there wasn't much he could do. And it was more of a, uh, a turnover by, uh, by us um, that it resulted in the back of the net, obviously didn't like the third goal uh, at that point, looking to change momentum and, and put Doobie in, but uh uh, yeah, you want to see a guy get in there and fight and, and, and keep it. And, uh, um, you know, and you got to judge how well you're playing in front of him. If you're playing well um, and you're not giving up much and, and, you know, you're letting in soft goals, that's a different thing. But, uh, um, you know, that's that's just uh, what we need to do as a team. Just keep pushing it and, and figure out to, and figure out to, to get some consistency. One of those guys needs to be consistent with their performances. One of those guys needs to step up and be the man here in San Jose. And I don't know why neither of them have done it up to this point. They've been given ample opportunities, and it seems that with those ample opportunities, they have been either spectacular or not spectacular. <laughs> like I said, there have been some abysmal performances where you just kind of scratch your head and go, what am I watching here? What are they going after? Now, I'm not putting all the blame on the goalies, but it is an area that needs to improve. But I'm also not going to put the blame on the defensemen or the forwards or the coaching staff. I mean, this is a problem across the board with the Sharks. They are bad on defense. They are not great at face-offs. They turn the puck over in their own end. And they are very, very good at putting their goalies in a bad situation. That said, Bob Bugner has repeatedly said that the goalies need to be good enough to give them a chance to win. And sometimes that requires pulling a save out of God knows where, you know, you just need to be able to come up with the big stop. The first two goals on Jones, I agree. They were not particularly on him. It was not his fault. The third one was, that was bad, but you would have hoped that he could have made the big save on one of the two earlier goals because that would have kept you in the game and given you a chance to win. But thankfully, the Sharks are not lacking in mental fortitude. They bounced back big time in this game. There are no moral victories, but there are positive takeaways. Logan Couture. I, I was proud of how we played. I thought we battled. Um, you're down. We were down two, I think, with 12 left. And, you know, even before that, Gaber steps, steps up huge for us at the start of the third and fights fights Reeves. And, you know, obviously they, they got one right away. But uh, I thought the energy for the rest of that third period from that fight was, uh, was in our favor. So uh, everyone, I thought, played well. We played hard. Unfortunate that we didn't get two. But uh, happy that we are able to get one there. But the captain cautioned there are no moral victories. No, never does. Never. Never feels like a win. Uh, but we can take away positives from tonight. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll watch it tomorrow morning and uh, get ready for another tough one tomorrow night. But the Sharks need to figure out how to not just hang with teams. They need to figure out how to defeat them. The Sharks may not be a perfect roster. They may not be a perfect team. They may not be any of those things. But they are good enough to get wins. They were good enough to get that win last night against Las Vegas. They were good enough against St. Louis to win a game in which they scored six goals. They just happened to give up seven. These are problems that the Sharks are dealing with, but at the same time, you like to think that it can get better. You like to think that they're capable of making themselves a better hockey team. I thought we battled. I thought we played hard. 
That's my biggest takeaway. I thought uh, we were right there against uh, one of, if not the best team in our division. I thought, uh, you know, we, we killed well. Power play was sloppy. I thought power play could be a lot better. You know, if we get one on the, on the power play, maybe it's a little different game. A couple other things with Cooch here. His thoughts on the situation with Pacioretty? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. What, what about the goal that he got the assist from Eric Carlson? I got the puck in neutral, I think, and, and tried to make a move on the D-man. Didn't work out. Found Carl at the top uh, right point. And whenever you get him the point or the puck I've learned and I think most of us have learned if you get him the puck you find open ice because he's going to find you he made a great play I was fortunate to make make a shot that beat their goalie and Kaner was uh, net front he didn't see it and this is the continual theme with the Sharks you take the good with the bad right now and you feel that the good is good you have Logan Couture performing at a high level you have Eric Carlson rounding into form you have Kevin LeBanc making good on the deal he signed in the offseason you have all these things trending in the right direction, but you still get the defensive breakdowns. You still get the goalie miscues. You still get all these things that keep the Sharks being a consistent team in terms of winning. That's because the Sharks are not a consistent team in terms of playing as of yet. We get signs, we get trends, but these trends have yet to become an identity for the San Jose Sharks. And I think the identity is the fact that we see the consistency with these problems. Um, you know, lately the second period hasn't been as big of a problem, so that's good, right? And they've been mostly better of taking care of the puck in their own end, but they did have a bad night on the forecheck against Colorado when they got blanked. It is two steps forward, one step back with the San Jose Sharks right now, and I'm sure a much, much smaller increment in both forwards and backwards is being achieved by the Sharks, but that is overall Something that I'm seeing with them, it's just a little bit forward and a little less back and a little bit forward and a little less back. And that's just the balance that we're seeing right now. And hopefully it continues to move towards more confident and complete performances from this Sharks team going forward. But again, if Eric Carlson is looking good, if Kevin LeBanc is looking good, Logan Couture has been on fire. Evander Kane has been playing with much more grit and sandpaper in his game. But I go back to where we started. None of that makes you feel good about what we saw in that loss to Vegas. That was a winnable game. That was a great effort in which the Sharks came back from a three-goal deficit to force overtime. Great to earn a point. You will never hear me say otherwise, but damn it stings to not have been able to get the win. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will talk to you all Sunday morning after game two against the Knights. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.